Hey guys, it's Kobe here of Kobe Talks. Michael Agree and Pia on the mic. Quick update, guys. So, Kobe Talks Podcast, we have started a Go Get Fund Me to help us create a new spacious studio and get some new gear to enable our sound to be much more crisp. And guys, we need your support. So, we started a Go Get Fund Me, which you can find the link in every single episode's description that you can donate to guys so whatever episode you are listening to this on just click the description of the episode whether apple podcast spotify anchor click the description click on the go get fund me link and donate to us guys we need your support we can't do this by ourselves so i'm coming to you pleading asking for your donations guys please give to us help us expand we know you love our show and we know that you want to be part of this expansion that we are doing. So, Kobe, I'm here today asking for your support, asking for your donations. So, click the description of whatever podcast it is you are listening to right now and donate to us. Or go to Kobe Talks, our Instagram page. That is at K-O-B-B-Y-T-A-L-K-S. Click that link in our bio and hit the first item, the first tab, and donate to us. Please donate to us. We need it. Thank you so much, guys, and enjoy the upcoming episode. Bye. Kobe Talks. Kobe Talks. Kobe Talks. Kobe Talks. Kobe Talks. Kobe Talks. Hi, everybody. This is Estela, and keep listening to Kobe Talks, because he rocks. Hi, guys. It's Kobe here of Kobe Talks. Today on the show, I have my first professional. Okay, my second professional after Vinanda. So my second professional a medical doctor and we'll be talking obviously about something health related that affects most young adults so i would let him introduce himself he's a medical doctor like i said already doctor what's up okay Kobe. my name is ebenezer kwabne japon dr ebenezer kwabne japon um i've been working as a medical doctor since 2013 I completed a medical school from Ken University in 2013. Okay. Um, I did my internship in Convanoch City Hospital and then Lekma Hospital for two years. Subsequently, I worked with Kolebu in their children's um, health department and then for about a year and a half and subsequently moved to West African Rescue Association, uh, which is affiliated with International SOS. Um, most of my practice so far, whether intended or not, are centered around children and young people. So I have a special interest in the holistic care of children and young people and also in safeguarding children and young people. So today's topic is very dear to my heart and, and I, I hope you can make everybody appreciate what you are talking about. Definitely, definitely. You, you guys can hear from his voice. It's so calming and so relaxed. Yes. <laughs> so, so let's just dive straight in. Um, today we'll be talking about mental health, mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, and everything all, all in and all out. Um, look, like, like I said, lots of young adults have problems with thinking what their life holds for them. They're trying to rebel against their parents and it's not working and they're all depressed. People have gone through traumatic experiences and, and loss of a loved one. So many issues come into mental health, depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, or I'm hoping that you could tell us more about 
PhD topics and more. And as we go on, we'll have a conversation and we'll delve into it. So, all right, copy. So, we'll start um, from the beginning. I guess the majority um, of the things we are going to talk about falls broadly under mental health. Um, we have a definition, sort of, of how healthy a human being should be. Um, if you are considered healthy, that means that physically you should be of good health, emotionally you should be of good health, and then psychologically you should be of good health. Now, physically is probably what most of us tend to fo focus on. Um, but emotionally, socially, and psychologically, your your utmost well-being is what we 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 grossly classify as mental health. Um, it's been a part of a healthy living that people have probably put in a in a box. Tend to assume has a lot of issues, and people don't want to talk about much. But if you listen to what I've said so far, that it's probably the the larger contribution of how healthy we can be if you have our mental health um, well. The second thing probably is going to be depression. Depression is under ment mental health. Depression is low mood. You feeling unhappy. You feeling sad. Now, there's a, there's a limit as to you being sad and you being depressed. What is the difference? At what point does it change? From I'm, I'm just feeling sad and then I'm depressed. If you are just feeling sad, usually there's a, there's a precipitant. It is clearly related to something. For example, you have lost a loved one, family loss, bereavement. Um, you are expected to feel sad. You may feel sad for a period, up to a year, up to six months. You may not be able to do anything. You may not be able to work, go to school, focus on the things you are supposed to do. But then you are feeling sad and it is a legitimate reason to feel sad and it points towards a particular reason for that sadness that is allowed that's acceptable then we talk about depression usually depression is a more severe form of feeling sad it does not just mean you are sad it means you're unhappy with everything around you nothing seems to make you happy you are persistently having a low mood you cannot seem to enjoy yourself anymore. You can't enjoy the little things that made you happy. You enjoyed reading. Now you don't have any interest in reading. You simply don't feel the need to read. You are suicidal. You are thinking about ending your life. You have thought about it to various extents. Probably you've even had a plan as to how you are going to go about it. Um, you are sleeping too much or not sleeping at all. You sleep too much because you can't wake up to do anything. You simply do not have the energy, you are tired, or you are not sleeping because you are persistently brooding over all the negative things that are going on in your life. You are eating too much because you have nothing else to do. You are sad and all you want to do is eat, eat, eat and eat. Or you are not eating at all simply because you don't even have the energy to, to eat anything. Those are the symptoms that tend to constitute depression. The, the difference between this and sadness is that depression is always a problem that is usually progressive. It is not going to simply vanish without you having the adequate support and treatment that you need. It is going to be a persistent issue. It is going to be as though someone has diabetes and not doing anything about it. You are not expecting it to all of a sudden by magic resolve. 
So as though someone has hypertension and the person is not doing anything about it, expecting it to miraculously disappear. Depression is just like any of these other illnesses and then it can be treated. Then the second other broad topic that I'm going to discuss probably anxiety. So you think about depression as a low mood where you are feeling sad. Anxiety, you can take it as an, a mirror opposite, not exactly, but let's take it like that and then explain it further. Anxiety means you being worried and anxious. You are persistently worried and anxious. It may be about one particular thing or it may be about a number of things. Some people have generalized anxiety, what we call generalized anxiety disorder. The person is persistently worried about every little thing in his life. We have people who are chronic warriors and it does not affect their ability to adapt and interact in their normal environment. I may worry a little bit about how I look, but I wake up, dress up and come to work. I may worry a little bit about the way I walk, but then I still walk and go to lectures. For people who have generalized anxiety disorder, the situation is as simple. I am worried about what I'm drinking now, whether it is good for me or not. I can't help myself from thinking about it. It is a chronic thought. It is always at the back of my mind. I am worried that the air I'm breathing is going to kill me. It is a chronic thought. It is always in my head. I am anxious about everything that is going on in my life. That is a form of anxiety disorder. In anxiety disorders, there are too many that we, we, we probably won't have the time to go through, but there are a few that I'd like to mention as well. Something called OCD, or Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, is a form of anxiety disorder. What OCD simply means that I get anxious about certain things, certain particular things, and I need to do something to relieve that anxiety. Let's give an example. There's an individual who, whenever he's going to bed, he needs to open the door, close it five times. If he does not do it five times, he will be unable to sleep. So what he does is that he will go open the door five times every night before he sleeps. He does this because it calms him down and he knows that for whatever reason, um, he'll be able to sleep better at night. There's no logical explanation as to if your, your door is properly locked, why you need to open and close it five times. But if that individual does not do this, this particular activity five times, the person will not have any rest, will, will always be anxious. So the person's obsession is the thought that something might happen if I don't close the door five times. And the compulsion is to open and close the door five times and ensure that it's properly locked. And you can relate similar examples to so many other things that go on in a person's life. And the other thing, something like post-traumatic stress disorder. It's a form of anxiety. You have gone through a traumatic event in childhood. Abuse, rape, um, abuse by family members, by teachers, um, rape, and all other manner of traumatic events. And it's become a source of worry for you. You think about it all the time. You are unable to function. You have flashbacks. Whenever you are there, you think about it. You can't form appropriate relationship because of that particular stressful event. So you are having stress and anxiety related to that stress that you had, that traumatic event that you had some years ago. So it is post-traumatic and you have anxiety related to, to it. Then the other forms of anxiety, social phobia. Uh, the person is unable to perform in public. The person simply cannot read or speak in public. The person will 
get nerves, be unable to perform. Um, there are other forms of anxiety. Somebody simply cannot bear the thought of leaving their home because when they leave the confines of their home, they are scared, worried about judgment, discussion about their well-being, how they look, how they dress. It is baseless without any specific reason, but it is a worry. And because of that, the person is unable to do anything. So as you realize from the discussion, you, you would see that there's a spectrum of the disease. For every type of disorder, mental health, there usually is a spectrum. There is the individual who can function normally to an extent, and people may never realize that I have a mental health problem. And there is the individual who simply cannot do anything. The person who people will say about them because the person needs to be hospitalized to get treatment. And then there are those in the middle who seem to have it under control but tend to flare up or flare down in depression a bit and then require treatment. I'll give an example of somebody who can function normally. Let's say somebody who has a delusion. The person thinks that things about certain things that simply do not make sense. The person thinks that on the 15th of April, squirrels come to my home every night and they eat my apples. That person thinks that it is baseless. It has no, no understanding. You can't appreciate why you should think like that. But that person only has that solitary delusion that on the 15th of April or the 15th of every month, squirrels will come home and eat my apples. So that person will not keep apples at home on the 15th of the month. That person will function, will go to work, do everything that they need to do, but that person has that delusional disorder in their brain. Let's talk about somebody else who has a form of disorder in which the person thinks that my thoughts are being broadcasted and everybody can hear my thoughts. That person thinks that whenever he passes by, people are talking about him. He can hear myself and Kobe sitting here talking about him and how he is useless and how we are going to kill him. That person simply cannot function in the environment before wherever that person passes, that person is having these thoughts. He thinks that aliens have taken his brain, he's no longer who he is. It is another person's brain that has been put in his head. That person clearly has a very significant mental health problem. That person simply cannot function and that person will probably need to be hospitalized and treated. So yeah, these are some of the things I wanted to talk about. Wow, this is... This is awesome. Just quietly listening and learning, just like everybody is listening. So, Kobna, um, um, I said Kobna because yeah, he's also called Kobna, but yeah, I'll, I'll refer to Doctor Jafford. Doctor Jafford, you both here explained that there are types of depression, sure. right? Um, my question to you, my first question to you is, how and when does depression start? Does it have like a particular age? Does it occur maybe when you're thirteen, when you're ten, and? If there is a particular age or a particular range of ages, what do you think occurs during that time okay. that makes depression so rampant or mental health or anxiety? Okay. Well, let's talk about depression probably a little bit more. Um, if we take a look at what is probably written statistically in books, there, there may not necessarily be an age in which... Uh, um, depression or certain types of mental health is more likely to occur. Um, everybody is at risk. We have noticed that when there's a stressful life event around that particular period, the likelihood that you develop depression is much higher. But it is not um, specific to a particular age group. Um, 
the kind of stresses that young people have in their lives, the kind of stresses that middle-aged individuals have in their lives, and the kind of stresses that elderly people have in their life tend to be different. Depression can occur amongst these age groups irrespective, but what will usually pre um, precipitate that depression, what will trigger it to happen may be quite different. Usually somebody who will get depressed may have a natural tendency to do school to do so by virtue of who they are and then an event may trigger it for the majority of people even there's no triggering event it is just a condition that seems to develop and um, you can't attribute it to any anything in particular as to whether there are types of depression yes there are types of depression those are probably more academic and then may not necessarily help much if we talked about it uh, but there are types of very subtle differences and then combination of depression with other forms of mental health disorders like combination of depression and anxiety, combination of depression and uh, psychosis and something like combination of depression and mania. Those are things that need to be, that exist and need to be addressed. Whilst we are talking about this, uh, there's an issue I think we should talk about which is um, what we call bipolar disorder. Okay. Bipolar disorder is a it's it's a combination of two conditions. Either you have mania, you have a manic episode, or you have a depressive episode. So think of mania. Mania is direct opposite, not just a mirror opposite, a direct opposite of what happens in depression. In mania, you have a high mood, you feel happy, you can do anything, you don't need to sleep. You could sit up all night and then do all the things you've thought about doing. You think that you are on top of the world. You think that you can win the lottery, so you are willing to bet and bet and bet. You feel as though um, you have developed the cure for, for AIDS. You have had that thought. You have gone through a number of research things that you have gathered, information you have gathered, and you think you have all of a sudden discovered the, the, the solution for all the major world problems. You have an idea that is going to end environmental pollution. You feel high. You can't stop yourself from speaking. When you start talking, they can't stop you. You begin to dress flamboyantly. You are just... Everything is excessive and out of order. So these people have a manic episode, which may last invariably a week, a few weeks to a month, and then all of a sudden they flip into a very low mood they go down into a, a depressed mood where everything that was happening in their manic episode has been flipped aside and they are all of a sudden depressed it's a peculiar form of me mental health condition that exists and is quite common and so people who would have a manic episode will most likely have a depressive episode one time or the other in their lives but there are people who may have only a depressive episode and never have a manic episode. Those two groups of individuals have forms of treatment that they will benefit from, but it's something that we need to be aware of. Then as we've talked about it, we have other people also, probably you may know, you know somebody, that you, a friend of yours who probably doesn't classically fit the symptoms of depression. He's not that low, but he's low. And he's, he's low all the time. He is low for a very long period of time. He simply cannot get himself up. You know this person probably in SS. He seemed to be very happy and normal in SS. 
you went to university or any you went to uh, your polytechnic and then you realize the person is low the person's mood is now much lower than what it used to be and it drags and drags and drags the, the, this is a form of mental health condition that is existent and we know about it's called dysthymia the person has a, a a very low mood but doesn't classically fit the 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 depression criteria then there are people who don't have the very high mood of a manic person and don't have the very low mood of a, a person who is depressed they alternate but it never gets too high it never gets too low those people also exist and those people we call them cyclothymia it means that you are cycling there's a cyclical change in your mood but doesn't classically meet these two um, definitions yes interesting very 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 interesting um when you mentioned that traumatic experiences um childhood occurrences all of that happened all of these things you've spoken about all of these issues all these explanations you've given can it be avoided can 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 depression be cured can depression be stopped okay because a lot of young adults are going through phases of sadness depression um not knowing where their lives are headed rebelling against their parents all of these things are some form of condition they are in is there a is there a solution to this is there a fix to this okay copy there's a there's a solution to mental health problems probably not all of them but for most of them, we have very good solutions and available solutions to these mental health problems. Can depression be avoided? It would be wrong on anybody's part to ever say that. It may not necessarily be avoided. Um, a person who is likely to get depressed, who will get depressed? Um, the triggering event may be minor may not be what you expect to be depressed about but that is enough for that person to get significantly depressed about and then go on to be so then that's when you begin to realize that the precipitant may not warrant that level of depression but the person is depressed so depression is not necessarily avoidable it is treatable and sometimes curable when i say treatable what i mean is that we have form things that we can do be it medication or some form of therapy that we can provide that will significantly reduce your symptoms allow you to cope and make you function well let's take example of somebody who has hypertension yeah. we can't cure hypertension as medical professionals it simply cannot be done unless for a very small percentage of individuals there's no cure we can't let it go away but we can give you treatment that will normalize your blood pressure and make you healthy and avoid all the complications of a high blood pressure that exists yeah. the good thing with depression is that for some people they can continue their treatment for such a period that they get cured they don't require the medications anymore they don't require any form of therapy anymore. They may relapse in the future, 10 years, 5 years, but they are cured for that period. There are also people who, after a depressive episode or after some form of mental health, receive adequate treatment and they get well, never to go back on medication again. 
never to go back on psychotherapy again are able to function well in their environment into their foreseeable future live fruitful lives marry continue with their career live and then enjoy their lives yeah Governor, you talking about all this something popped into our mind do you think african kids are more likely to get depressed do you think there are a lot of african kids who are depressed mainly because of our type of upbringing would you classify lots of Ghanaian young adults as going through traumatic upbringings that have made them sad but probably they do not even know about it would you i mean you're a young adult yourself do you think upbringing has caused something like this or can or has copy i really think so i i think so with respect to some aspects of the question not all aspects of the question um our socialization in africa is definitely different from the socialization that you receive if you're in the western world our upbringing is essentially different not the same um mental health in particular in africa is shrouded in spirituality um there's reduced acceptance of it being a, a medical condition that can be treated um we have failed as a country to appreciate medical mental health like it should be and it's a it's a telling sign in all aspects of our healthcare in ghana to the extent that um mental health does not receive the kind of uh, publicity and funding that all other forms or aspects of healthcare should receive when we talk about young adults and millennials we realize that um there are so many things that have happened during the era of millennials too much technology it has advanced at such a fast pace people have learned to do things in a better way um, corporal punishment has we've studied and know that corporal punishment is probably not an effective way of punishing people uh, but these things were are things that are still inherently ingrained in our culture as Ghanaians these are things that have uh, molded the way African children were brought up they are significant life stresses if you meet if you bring in a westerner and administer corporal punishment to that child the detrimental psychological effects going to happen on that child is quite significant if you monitor that child over a 10 or 20 year period in africa that is normal it's expected that when you were in school at your age in primary school and in jhs you should be lashed in school many schools went through many children went through this during their education it's psychological effects were not cared for at the point right now we do know how detrimental it is there are currently there are reforms by ministry of education to stop these things from happening when you bring ourselves to our social um status in the home um let's say for a child who has not um stopped urinating on themselves at night what we call anuresis in medicine the child has not been able to stop urinating on himself at night the child is probably 10 years old and the the general consensus in treatment in an african home is name and shame and laugh at the child exactly which is studies have shown it is a very poor um way of of treating that condition it is what it it is it has shown not to work and if it does work it puts that child in a in in a not so healthy um mental environment psychological environment these are little little and there are so many examples that we can look into but the point is that 
we as part of our social identity we have been taught to not complain to not seek the attention that we need to seek so we have accepted it that it is what it is if you talk about it too much also dear also dear so mental health exists our culture in, in in as much as a very good aspect of our culture certain aspects of our culture has also not helped the situation and the fact that we have been trained as africans to to push mental health aside to to make it something that is evil means that many young people even though have certain forms of mental health condition are unable to seek appropriate treatment because of of fear because of um judgmental um, thoughts and behavior from other friends, other age mates and parents. I think it's a it's a multi complicated issue and then we are hoping that we can get to the bottom of it and help alleviate the situation. Okay. When when we said that we are taught to uh, we are taught not to complain, I just thought of something. We are rather taught to endure. Exactly. Endure it. Keep quiet and endure it. Yeah. Um what you've spoken about is, is quite deep. And I feel like anybody who is going to a situation like that or any situation related could relate to the whole African parent bringing a bringing scenario. Kobna, there are various triggers to people being sacked, people being depressed. Let me ask you this. I have, I have a feeling that the answer will be in the affirmative, but is it possible that as soon as you hear somebody's voice, it triggers your depression? For example, you had you had um, you had an auntie that was always screaming at you, shouting at you, name and shame, like you mentioned. Is it possible that as you grow older, because you've been taught to endure, even in your young adult age, when you hear that person's voice, it triggers something you want to be away from that person? Is that a thing? Kobe, I think it's really much a thing. Um, it may not necessarily cause you to be depressed. It may cause you to be anxious. And feel agitated and uncomfortable it is a form of probably a post-traumatic stress disorder that that person did something that really got you when you were a child um, that really hurt you that really embarrassed you and you, your, your, your psyche has protected itself such that when he hears a person's name or hears a person's voice you need to walk away, you need to isolate yourself from that kind of stressful environment because the more you act to that environment, the more stressed you become, the more anxious you get and the more you are unable to cope. People use avoidance as a coping mechanism. It is something that your body has, your, your brain has accepted that this person did this, I need to stay away from this person, I avoid this person to cope. And it may not necessarily be the most mature way of of mentally coping with it it's not probably the most mature coping mechanism that you can develop um but it is certainly something that happens and then it is certainly something that should be looked at and something that you should realize may be um a trigger or a, a sign that there be, may be something wrong that you need to to address as an individual yeah so avoidance isn't the best way but avoidance is a coping mechanism mm-hmm. that your brain I have picked up so if avoidance isn't the best way what is the best way because i know a lot of people avoid a lot of people do not want to come into contact with traumatic triggers yes so what then is the cure to this the cure could be many and then you have to know that person's 
personality type and individual that person's um psyche to be able to advise an appropriate way of dealing with it let's let's probably give an example um you can't advise head-on confrontation to every situation for every individual simply because it will not work simply because some people are just not confrontational simply because somebody does not want to do um that face-to-face confrontation to deal with an issue there are some people who would um, tend to handle it in a more different way subtle way um, to help them deal with it for example if if life gives you oranges or lemons you make lemonade out of it yeah there are people who would use that particular form of coping mechanism they have something that is they went through a difficult ordeal in life they embrace that ordeal and use it to do something else something totally opposite that in a way is a more mature coping mechanism there are so many different types of coping mechanisms that we can list psychologically that may be helpful but it's difficult for me to list that list them up straight away because people tend to pick and choose what may be more appropriate for me i don't think it's easy for you as an invert to just pick and choose what may be appropriate for you i think that um, if you for say you avoid an issue and then you address it later on that immediate avoidance may not have been the most ideal but your ability to have addressed the situation later on is more appropriate than for you to persistently avoid the issue um it's complicated i think we'll talk about it later but i don't think that it will benefit much of our listeners if i keep if i talk a lot about all the different coping mechanisms so our avoidance is is, is basically a short-term fix exactly it will fix it for the short term it won't help you in any way if you need to get over that issue you need to get to the bottom of it and mature out of that situation avoiding is definitely not one of the coping mechanisms that you want to use as an individual that's awesome that's awesome we are we are getting to the point where i'll give you a couple of questions that people have asked me to ask but before before we get to that i want to know your general thoughts as young adults who go through moments of sadness go through moments of depression go through moments of anxiety as as a young adult yourself what advice would you give no no okay be medical but i'm looking for an advice that will come from a place of empathy Mm. that you could speak to our listeners about like who are going through sadness stages, depressive stages, anxiety stages. What can you tell us? Copy, what I would like to say simply is that to speak to someone, one, get help. Three, understand that many people may have gone through a similar thing but are unwilling to share. Um, not unwilling, have not shared because they have not been asked. Many people are willing to share um, what they may have gone through. Um, but if you're uncomfortable speaking with someone you know, somebody um, you are afraid, afraid of judgment, of not being heard, um, there are anonymous bodies that people are working on that I'll probably have to list a few to you later as to you being able to speak to somebody about it. You having the the privilege of speaking to someone anonymously about a a mental health condition that you may be going through or something that you may be going through at that particular moment that you think um, you need help with 
so that you can anonymously be able to fully express yourself. I also want to let young people such as myself and you know that mental health conditions are common. They are not far-fetched. They are not distant. They are very, very common. At least one in four people have some form of mental health condition. We are not talking about the severity of it, but some form of it, be it mild, be it moderate, some form, something that they may be dealing with. That should let you know that um, it is very, very common. That is about 25% of the population currently dealing with someone. If you are in a class of 100, 25 of them are currently dealing with something now that they may not have spoken to anybody about. So know that you are not the only one probably going through this. You should speak to somebody. If you think at any point in time that it's affecting your ability to function, there's help which is easily available that you can get, which can help you deal with this to the best way and be able to function normally. Yeah. Okay. Um, help, help ready available. Would you let us know where this help could be sought or? Yes, help readily available. Some people do not are still not readily accepting the fact that um, it is a condition that I can get treatment for. Um, people are not acceptive of the fact that um, you need med- they don't want to accept that I need medications. You don't necessarily need medications for any type of mental health condition that you may be going through. What you need is um, the ability to open up to talk to somebody. Yeah. The ability to to speak to somebody on a personal level, yeah. on 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 the same level ground. You don't need someone to tell you what to do. You need to express yourself. You need to open up and just express yourself. Um, what you are looking for uh, is peculiar to your personal circumstance. Um, you may be comfortable speaking to somebody who is your friend, who you trust. Who you think you, you you could be open up you could be able to open up to yeah. who would accept what you are saying and not be judgmental yeah. if those people are available in your life initially those people are the people to go to um, those people are the people who readily accept you those people would understand you they may not necessarily appreciate everything but they will understand that this is what you are going through that that is your first line of defense then you talk to um professionals professionals are in existence they are you don't necessarily need to speak to a psychiatrist you can speak to your general practitioner any doctor who sees you about mental health conditions you don't need to go to a psychiatric hospital to speak to a doctor about the kind of medical condition they are going to medical professionals have been trained to be able to appreciate the fact that they are going to a psychological episode and should be able to offer the necessary assistance many hospitals and private clinics do this they will speak to you and offer you the necessary assistance um, so you don't need to be concerned about the fact that someone see me going to Akka Psychiatric I need to go to Akka Psychiatric I need to go to Panther no you don't need to go there to get that kind of care that you you need or you require any doctor can speak to you we have um, in private facilities Probably in government facilities, there may be burdens so that they may not be so open to seeing you. But some private government facilities are even doing this um, to the best of their abilities. And, and in private clinics, nurses are some nurses are extremely well trained to be able to handle people. Peer groups, 
and other social groups have been specially formulated to be embracing and should be embracing enough to to accept you when you are going through such issues but the point i want to make young people aware is that if you go to an, an environment that is judgmental you try and get yourself out of that environment and speak to someone or get yourself into an environment that's non-judgmental that is accepting but will address your situation not some people go through mental conditions and uh, mental health conditions not all the things that they are going through are immediately um not their fault not contribute they may have contributed to an extent to certain things speak to somebody people who help you and give it to you straight that this and this and this is the situation but as for this uh, we are not being judgmental but this this may be a contribution to what you are going through so if you can do away with this and do away with that and we'll have a holistic um treatment for you this will be helpful that is what i think we should do that's amazing that's that's, that's actually very 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 helpful so um a couple of people mainly on twitter um sent me messages after i put out that i'm meeting with you and they have a few questions i'll not mention their names i'll just list i think i have five or four questions so the first question goes like this um how do you help a friend who is dealing with depression that is yeah first okay. question Kobe, that's a very good question i think that the first thing you can do the most important thing you can do is to is to be there for that person and um not judge that person you need to be supportive you need to understand that i cannot will myself out of a depressive episode i cannot i need help you need to be the help for that person if you appreciate that as an individual then it's easier for you to be able to lend the help that that the person requires you may not have the necessary skill sets to to be all that that the person needs but one thing we have we know in mental health is that social support be it friends family or or, or whatever or even pets it's it's extremely helpful in building your psyche when you are going through a depressive episode so be there for the person help the person get the needed help if you are unable to provide that help however if at any point you realize that this individual going through this depressive episode who happens to be your friend is suicidal then you need to get that person into you need to get that person help as soon as possible because that person is actually at risk of taking their lives and it is a very imminent risk that you you can't predict when that person will do it but when people get to the point of being suicidal they they actually intend to carry it out and you need to be helpful to that person so be supportive be there for that person accept that the person is going through that get the person help that you can afford to get as soon as possible if you think the person is suicidal that's awesome i really hope your your question is answered i know you're listening <laughs> second question goes how do you know if you are depressed or just sad well as i said earlier depression is bad bad sadness so sadness to the extreme and um, if you are sad let's sit down and try and find out why am i sad am i sad because i didn't do well on a test i took or i have not been doing well on certain tests that i've been taking since i started this this new chapter in my education 
Am I sad because I started a new employment and people just keep sending me to go and buy a watch as an intern? <laughs> Is that why you are sad? Are you sad because uh, in your current um, phase in your career, you you are not advancing as you wanted to or you don't seem to know where to direct your career? Are you sad because of peer being... Um, lack of peer involvement you are being cast aside by people of your age group and so you don't feel a part of if these are reasons why you are sad you need to see whether you can get out of your sadness and you can enjoy little things that you used to enjoy when you tend to realize that you don't know why you are sad you simply are sad but you are and you are sad simply too much and you simply can't do anything about it you can't even go for a jog or go and play video game or go and eat ice cream. Something that usually will make you happy. You simply just can't do in your blues. And this is a persistent issue and you simply can't get yourself out. Then probably you are depressed. And know that if you are in that particular state, you can't risk it that way. I, I keep saying it because it simply won't go away like that. You need to get help for it. And so sadness is usually... Feeling sad alone is usually towards a particular stressor usually not severe usually able to function and you you have some level of enjoyment if it is related to a more significant event like a bereavement it is expected to last long but even then you tend to take it a day at a time and you pick yourself up but with depression no you simply can't do that and with that you need treatment that's amazing next question goes like this does everyone have multiple voices in their heads? And if so, is the loudest the meanest? <laughs> Kobe, that's an interesting question. I'm laughing because everybody does have voices in their heads. I think I have a voice in my head. I don't know whether it is, whether I have two voices. I think probably I have more. It depends on the situation that you find yourself in. What you need to realize is that at no point should voices be telling you to do bad stuff. To yourself or to it or to somebody else those are not normal voices we have the concept of hallucination a hallucination is that I hear or see or feel or experience something sensory that nobody else is sensing so you can hear things hear people speak to you Hear people tell you how, um, how much of a failure you are, how much of an irresponsible person you are, how you are never going to be anything in life. That is definitely not normal. That is definitely something wrong. And that's something that you need to address. Sometimes things don't go well and then you sit down and you're like, why did I do it? Why did I not do it this way? You are such a silly person. Those are normal, everyday things that every healthy individual should go through and will go through but when symptoms become mean and then self-persecutory where you are persecuting yourself because of things that voices are saying about you and you are hearing that that's not normal that is worrisome and, and i think you should seek help for that that's an amazing answer i'll, I'll, I'll keep this this question for the last <laughs> okay so the next question goes how do you deal with an existential crisis? Oh. Can you explain existential to, to us? 
Okay, Kobe, let's try and see if I can explain it in in a very simple way. So existential existentialism is um, why do I exist? What am I going to do with my life? What's the purpose of my life? Why am I alive? Uh, why? You, you simply want that 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 question answered. When you go through an existential crisis, you are unsure. You, you reach a point in your life where you don't know why, 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 why. Why is it that everything needs to be like this? Why is it that I'm going through all these things? Existential crisis is not necessarily bad. However, so many times it has stayed with depression. You can have a depressive episode where you have no purpose for living because you don't have a purpose for living. Where you don't have a purpose for living until you do not want to even wake up from bed. Um, everybody goes through existential crisis one time or the other. Some people earlier in their lives, some people much later. For young adults, uh, it may come at various stages in, in, your, in young adulthood. Because young adulthood is split into so many factions, especially with, with this education that we need to go through. You go to GHS, finish GHS, want to do SS, finish SHS, want to go to uni or do some form of tertiary education, finish that you have work to do. At, one, at any of these points, these major points in your life, you may go into an existential crisis where you don't know what you want to do, where you don't, find your, you don't know what your purpose in life is. It can be so psychologically stressful that it may tip you into depression. What many um, healthcare professionals encourage people to do is that you, you, you use your existential crisis to try and establish who you are. When you know who you are, it helps you plan. And for you to also understand that it is, you, you cannot have all the answers. You, you don't know what the purpose of your life will be in the next 15 or 20 years. You don't know where you may end up being in the next 15 or 20 years. But if you have a purpose for your life, if you know who, if you, know who you are, it can help you define and form a purpose of your life. It can make you have meaning to your life. And as with most other forms of mental health conditions, psychological issues, talking to somebody opens things up for a more a general acceptance of the fact that you are in a difficult situation and it will pass. It tends to pass. It can last a number of weeks, months, to years, but it will pass. What you need to do is Try, realize when you are tipping yourself into depression, notice that this is getting too much and I need to have it solved. And also notice that it can actually be a stepping stone. It doesn't mean, it, 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 it shouldn't be a valley that tips you down into a river and lets you drown. It can be a stepping stone that helps you discover yourself more and be able to function. So essential crises do exist, relatively common. Everybody goes through it. It can be associated with depression. Know it when, when it is becoming a state of depression and that you need to get help for that. Speaking to people, yeah, that's amazing. Last but one question goes Is it normal to know? Is it normal to not know or be able to explain the reason you are depressed? It is, yes, Kobe, it is that's the fundamental definition of depression. You don't know why you are depressed, we simply don't know why your triggers, you don't know why. We are sad. You don't know why. You are just sad. You just can't get yourself out of being sad. You don't know why. Don't expect yourself to answer that question if you are depressed. The more you, when you, you tend to want to answer that question, you put yourself in a situation where you think that 
if that event was taken away, you would be better. You think that you are, if you feel so depressed and sad, and you assume that if it is because things are being difficult in school, so if things got better in school, I may not necessarily be depressed or sad. Well, no. People will be sad that things are not going on in, well in school, but they will not be depressed. People who are depressed, even when that situation changes, will still continue to feel depressed. So your depression usually would have a trigger that does not fit that level of sadness. Do you understand? So I feel very sad because I'm not doing well in school. That is a generally accepted feeling of sadness because you're not doing well in school. But the minute I get depressed, if I ended up doing so well in school, I may not necessarily get better. But if you are just sad, if you started doing well in school, you will get better. If you are just sad, if school ended or your, your SHS and your, or your uni years ended, you will be okay. But if you are depressed and your uni years ended, you still will be depressed. So people tend to think, I'm just sad, there has to be a reason. No, you are depressed. Unfortunately, there's no reason for it, but it's okay to be depressed. We will help you. That is what I want you to understand. It's okay. You are depressed. There's no reason. There's simply no reason, but we'll help you. And I think that I want to let people know with depression is that for many people who are depressed, who get treatment for, they are, who are even suicidal and get treatment for, then their mood picks up, they get normal. Some studies have shown that even when they get normal is when they try to commit suicide. The reason is because I've been feeling so down and sad all my life, and I finally got treatment, I realized that life can actually be this okay. Why don't I leave when I'm on a high? And it is a... And when you think about that level of thinking, you, you, you begin to appreciate it. The person has felt sad all their lives, and they finally got some form of treatment. If the person starts getting treatment and starts doing better, that person requires more social support at that time. Because at that time, the person is beginning to feel normal. The person is like, whoa, why don't I leave now? Let me, let me just get out of it now. When, when, when now I feel a little good, I can't, I can't afford to take myself into depression again. That's how severe depression can get. So, you don't worry if you don't have a reason for being depressed. That is how depression is supposed to be. But you can get help. You can get help. And I like, I like, I like that you said, do not seek to explain your depression. Because most people who are depressed, they end up getting asked this question, why are you depressed? I, why, why do you think you're depressed? From parents, from siblings, from loved ones, from friends, why are you depressed? Okay, what, okay, so what is it that is a problem that is making you Exactly. And then you start to think, like, so what is the reason? Then there's no reason. reason. And then you get worried. And you feel stupid Bit. for feeling that way. Yeah, exactly. But Dr. Japan is telling you that there's no reason. You don't have to explain. There's nothing like that. But, you end up tipping yourself in more. Exactly. That actually helped me right now as I'm talking to you. <laughs> and the last question, <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy says, why is this so damn hard getting the first class? <laughs> That's what you said. He's, he's in university right now. <laughs> it's a funny question. Well, Kobe, it is damn hard to get a first class because it's supposed to be damn hard to get a first class. <laughs> I, 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 I think 
<laughs> Interesting question. Firstly, getting a first class, I think, is meant to be difficult. It's not meant to be... It's how you appreciate it. Don't take it that... It is a, a, a woeful attempt by somebody to make sure that you never achieve it. Unfortunately, our educational system and living in, in the world is such that we tend to stratify people. If you get a mark, if you get, if, if there's an average score of 50%, if you are plus or minus one standard deviation, that is 68% of the population about is in that bracket. That is more than half of the population. If you are plus more than plus two standard deviation, that is more than 97% of people are below you and you are the only the 2.5% above. I think it's just a linear cutoff that the, the education system is using to select people who are academically brilliant and offer them some form of opportunities to do certain things in life. In a way, it does not determine how intelligent you are. In a way, factually, it does not determine how successful you are going to be in life. It simply has no bearing. It may be a stepping stone for you, but it will not determine how smart or successful you are going to end up in the future. And the first class does not necessarily determine who the smartest is in the class. There are people who are quite smart and will never get a first class. There are people who are quite smart who are not interested in getting a first class. There are people who aspire to achieve a first class because it makes themselves feel good. And it helps their psyche and it helps them perform better. Know who you are. But know that it is made to be difficult. But know that at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter that much. If you get your, your required grade to pass school and then to achieve what you need to achieve in life, that's probably more important. School ends quickly life essentially begins after school school really really ends quickly and when you are less than 25 and you are in still going to your 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 mandatory education all you think about is getting good marks and then getting good marks and achieving this and achieving that but immediately you get out of school and you start working you realize that well first class is not going to help you advance so much in your your choosing career path it takes a lot of hard work so use your hard work to try and get your first class but if you don't get your first class don't worry when you start working use your hard work and definitely with that you are going to go well and, and then achieve a lot in your career it's not that difficult it's not that deep don't kill yourself don't come and kill yourself you can't kill yourself so uh, we come to the end of our podcast with dr ejapon it has been so um, enlightening. I've learned so much because I'm a young adult myself. Um, he has dropped on us knowledge that I hope whoever is listening to and is going to a phase in their life of sadness, anxiety, depression, or any other thing we spoke about, you would find a fix. If not a fix, you would find a direction to move towards exactly. to reduce what they are going through. And we are so thankful. For Dr. Ejapon getting the time, I had to come during his lunch break <laughs> so we could talk. And yes, you're so grateful. On Kobe Talks, you talk to different people who are doing things out of the mainstream. You are doing something that's considered mainstream, but at the same time, you're doing something that is going to help everybody whether they're in the mainstream or mm. not. Thank you so much. Do you have any last words for the listeners of Kobe Talks podcast? Mm, I think the last point is let's accept mental health disorders as 
any other form of of a medical condition that that is easily treatable that can easily be assessed and treated so if you are going through any mental health challenge know that you are not alone probably the person next to you is going through something similar that should not prevent you from getting treat, treatment because everybody else is going through it there's a solution to the problem the solution is available and we are here to make you feel better thank you so much guys um i'll make a post about dr japon on my instagram i can always do it on my guests um you see his picture um, and i'll write something little about him um yes and as usual let me know your thoughts on this podcast on my twitter which is at mka underscore a m p i a h and check out the quotes i create on my instagram at mka dot a m p i a h make sure you listen make sure you share the friend make sure you subscribe and as always give us a five star rating thank you for joining us on the show take care guys and I'm here to remind you, I'm here to remind those who do not know that Kobe Talks is now on Instagram. Simply go on Instagram and search Kobe Talks. Let me spell it for you. Kobe, K-O-B-B-Y, Talks, T-A-L-K-S. So simply go on Instagram, search Kobe Talks. Make sure you follow every information you need is on Kobe Talks on Instagram. You check out our highlights, check out our bio, check out our posts to speak to different, to, to, to see the different people we've spoken to on the show. I'm sure there's some people you've not realized you've spoken to and there are some episodes you have missed and you need to listen to. Every episode of Kobe Talks is amazing. So make sure you search Kobe Talks on Instagram or simply go on Google and type in Kobe Talks. Once again, Kobe spelled K-O-B-B-Y talks and get all the information you need give us a five star rating if you are listening on the apple podcast scroll all the way down and give us a five star rating it goes a long way to help this podcast thank you so much for listening to coffee talks and take care